0: The best in the world podcast with Richard Parr. I've been
3: very lucky to speak to some of the greatest sports stars on the planet on the best in the world with Richard Parr. Olympic champions, world champions, world number ones, world record holders. And from the 40 previous episodes, everyone has been really friendly, really helpful. Everyone really wants to give their knowledge to the rest of the world so that we all can improve our sporting careers or just our everyday lives. And that's what we try to do every week on this podcast. And I met some really friendly people on the way. But I've got to say, KK Clark today is my guest, the Olympic water polo champion, and she's got to be up there with one of the friendliest we've had on the show. Really fun, positive girl from California. I think it might be the sun out there. That certainly helps, doesn't it? You know, when you're like me and you live in dreary England, we become a little bit negative at times, even though I try to be around positive people most of the time. But KK is a really interesting and fun person that we've had on this week's show and it's not been easy on her way to becoming an Olympic champion. She tells her story about how they suffered tragedy and adversity on their way to becoming Olympic champions during their build-up to the 2016 Rio Olympics. KK also talks about how she didn't get her place at the 2015 World Championships, missed out on a gold medal there, but fought back to become part of the winning team at the Olympic Games. We talk about a lot of things related to that journey and how she's become a champion. We also have a bit of fun. We talk about Flop Friday. We talk about the book she reads. We talk about how she likes to journal. We talk about meditation. And we also look ahead to what her next challenge Might be. It's a really fun chat with KK, and we start off by talking about the fun things that she's been up to since winning gold, of going to see lots of different sports teams. So, this is a really positive episode with KK Clark, the Olympic water polo champion. I can't wait for you to hear it, and it will be with you in just a few moments. I just would like to do a little bit of housekeeping on the show. First of all, you may know I'm doing a brand new sports breakfast show it's live on facebook it's live streamed on youtube i would love for you to check it out it's called sportaccino We digest sports at breakfast, we do product reviews, we do competitions, we do polls, we have guests and it's lots of fun every single weekday morning at 8 GMT. If you're in a different part of the world and you can't see it live, don't worry, you can watch the show back on Facebook and on YouTube and you can also listen back to it as an audio podcast on iTunes speaking about listening to things you can listen to audiobooks with audible audible is one of the leading suppliers of audiobooks in the world they've got over one hundred and eighty thousand titles to choose from and they are this week's sponsor and by being this week's sponsor they are giving you the chance to test out their service all you've got to do is sign up at audibletrial.com forward slash best that's audibletrial.com trial.com forward slash best and you can get a free audiobook and a 30-day trial of their service. It's a product I personally use. I highly recommend it. You can listen to audiobooks on your mp3 on your iphone on your android on your kindle lots of different ways that you can learn from the very best and listen to some of the greatest books on the planet please go and do that now talking about the greatest things on the planet we've got one of the greatest water polo players in the world on the planet the olympic champion kk clark is next on the best in the world
0: The best in the world podcast with Richard Parr.
3: KK Clark, Olympic water polo champion. Welcome to the best in the world with Richard Parr. You won that gold medal back in August. And I see you've been having lots of fun on your Instagram page. You've been to baseball. You've been to see Golden State. You've been to see hockey. How much have you been enjoying all of that?
2: Oh my gosh. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to be on. Um, and then, yes, you know, it's been, I'm a, I've am been a sports fan my whole life. So being able to do these honoree um, events and sort of award sort of tour um, has been just so, so fun. And um, while it's been a little awkward because I live in LA, but I'm from Northern California and a lot of the professional sports teams are big rivals. So I've been doing the Dodgers game and the Giants game and my Giants fan in me totally cringes at that. Um, It's been super, super fun. And again, I'm just a big sports fan. Um, Being able to kind of see those sports organizations up close has been just a joy. So
3: and i guess when you're representing america everyone's just supporting you anyway so for those of the uh, the fans who might know that you're a giants fan when you're at the dodgers for yeah. example they they're all just happy to see you and, and happy to share in your success i guess
2: oh totally everyone's team usa so that's kind of how i've been justifying it in my <sighs> head but uh but i've you know i try to say yes to everything because i don't know when an opportunity like this will ever kind of come back around and just really just trying to Enjoy, let everything sink in. Um, Even though, I mean, all of this stuff is just a cherry on top. You know, you don't go into an Olympic Games expecting to win first off and then expecting to kind of have this, like, grand little victory tour when you get home. So just kind of trying to take it one day at a time and enjoy it all.
3: Mm, What's been the best moment since winning gold?
2: Oh, man. Um,
3: Apart from being on the best in the world with Richard Parr, the second best (laughs)
2: Apart from this moment right now. Um, you know, I actually have a pretty funny moment. Um, and it was actually directly right after the, uh, the gold medal game. So it's a bit of a story, so bear with me, but our, um, one of our goalies made a tradition during the season that on every Friday we would all belly flop into the water and we called it Flop Friday. And it was so fun for me because by the time we got to a Friday when we were training, it was, we were barely moving. We were all just zombies and <laughs> we we're just so tired and Um, so it was just a great pick me up at the end of the week. We would all belly flop and we're all really competitive girls. So we would all try to outdo one another and it ended up just being such a funny laugh, um, gag. I'm so happy our coaches let us do it. So the day that the gold medal game was on was a Friday and we were all kind of joking in the morning, like, Ooh, flop Friday, you know, but nobody would dare flop, um, in the morning, um, swim before the game, because if you really go for it, you can definitely injure yourself. (laughs) So nobody was doing that. And then after we won the gold, Um, We all were running into the warm down arena. There's nobody in the warm down pool because it's the gold medal game and we all line up on the side and we do a flop all together and it was no cameras, no nothing. Nobody could have seen it, but it was just kind of a moment for me that sort of exemplified our team and that we work really hard, but we also have fun and we do everything together. And that was Maybe not the answer you were looking for, but for me, just the quintessential moment, like for the team, it was one of the last times we're together. Cause once the, once the games are over, everyone kind of goes their separate ways and it's really a different change. Cause you see everyone day in, day out, they're all your best friends, you're grinding together and then everyone kind of goes off and it's, it's definitely a bittersweet thing. So that's just kind of my memory that I love to hold on to. Mm.
3: By by not doing it before that final, was there any members of the team who were a bit superstitious, who were almost like, "Oh, we should do it because we've done it all the way in this journey." Was there anyone like that, or was uh, everyone like, "I just don't yeah, want to be
2: no, 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 no." We I think we all like kind of knew we wanted to, but nobody. I think it was if we do it before the game, we might even jinx ourselves. So I think everyone was kind of on the same page, um, and we weren't too superstitious because. We like, you know, when if you get too superstitious, you get like hard in that you need something to happen in order. You just, I don't know, it's kind of the whole thing with luck. And we kind of all thought you kind of make your own luck and your preparation. And so, no, I think we were all kind of on the same page that we wanted to do it together later. Maybe it was kind of, we didn't want to jinx ourselves either. Hmm.
3: You mentioned that this period now is all a little bit of a blur because you're having so much fun. And you say that you've moved away from being with all of your teammates and almost like a family for that whole period. What else do you miss about that kind of pre-Olympics routine? Do you miss that kind of daily kind of workout, that daily schedule, or is it quite refreshing just to have some free time?
2: Oh, no. I mean, I laugh about it because when we were in it and we were training so many hours, I would just say to myself every day, I can't wait until this is over and I have so much free time. I'll do all these things with all my free time. And here I am being like, I really miss the routine. I really wish I could be getting up so much earlier and like going to see my girlfriends and working out together. You kind of, I guess you kind of black out the really hard moment Mm. um, of just the, not pain, but just the workouts and the things that were really excruciating. Um, And because you really just look back and think of the memories. I miss being on the bus with the girls making jokes and we were, we could be wildly inappropriate at times and just laugh together and, That's definitely the things that I miss the most. Um, And I definitely miss a bit of structure. I think I have a little bit of anxiety with all the free time I have. Um, And so it's definitely moving forward going to be kind of that balancing act, going to, you know, try to continue working out. But the way that the quad is structured for us is, you know, this time of year is really slow anyway. And a lot of our girls who were so young, are back in college. And we had a girl go back to high school. So when when we do see everyone, I'm like, hey, Aria, how's high school? Like, that's just wild wow, to yeah. me to, you know, here I am, I'm 26, definitely evaluating things could totally move on with the next chapter of my life. And I shared something with this girl who's just beginning. Um, and that was kind of the interesting thing about our team is just our age range and how our coach was able to make us feel like a family despite how many of us are on different places in our lives. I think
3: Mm, let's talk about that. One of your coaches also had a a tragedy just before the, the start of, of the games. How how much did that affect you all?
2: You know, yeah, our head coach, Adam lost his brother who we knew really well. He was a big supporter of the team um, and just an, an overall amazing, amazing guy. And um, we had been in Rio, I think, for a few days, maybe one or two days, and in the morning, we were all meeting to go to our practice that morning, and we walk up and we see him, and you know you can tell immediately that something's off, you know his body language, everything everyone was standing, he was sitting at his sunglasses on, just you knew something was wrong, and he opened up to us and told us what had happened. Blake had been surfing, doing what he loved. You know, Adam really focused on the, the good things. But in, in his message, obviously, he was in so much pain. And it was really, really, really difficult to see someone that you care about in that much pain. And um, his big message to us, I don't know how he had, you know, the presence of mind to think about us in this moment. But he was like, you guys just need to do exactly what you have been doing. Don't change because of me. Um, I need you guys to be the exact same because that's what we had been doing up until this point. He just didn't want anything to change on the team. He's like, he told us, he was, he said, you know, I'm going to have some moments. I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to be fine, but I will have moments and you need need to just bear with me. And, and I don't know if I'm going to go home yet, but you guys go to practice like I'll see you when you get back. And while we were at practice, he made the decision to fly home um, to Northern California to be with his family and then made plans to come back to Rio before our first game against Spain. So, I mean, and we were just there for him. We wanted to, we all did our best to honor that request of his. Um, And our assistant coaches really stepped up and um, we only had, you know, a handful of practices before the first game, but it was really hard. I mean, it it kind of changed the mood in a way. Um, And, you know, in the beginning of our process, our coach, he's such a great coach, we do... All these exercises and we honestly map out things that could go wrong um and we write them all down and we try to come up with plans to work around them just to create an awareness about those things and ultimately we were ready for adversity and we were ready for adversity that we couldn't maybe expect or put our finger on but you can't prepare for you know a death of a loved one and one of our girls her mom you know had a, had a heart attack the day before we left there was a lot of health things health related issues that we faced, which we didn't prepare for, which you can't prepare for, but that was kind of the adversity that our team faced, and we were able to kind of navigate it together because we were such a close team. By the time, you know, we were there at the Olympic Games, we really stayed close together, stayed in our bubble, stayed focused, and just leaned on each other, but it was tough. You know, you prepare for adversity in the water, referees, you know, other teams, all that stuff, and it was just so out of left field um but you know he was one of the strongest um people that that i know and uh, again it was so hard to to witness it but obviously we were able to kind of walk away from the game with a overall positive positive experience Mm,
3: it's amazing how your team were able to to focus when all of that was happening around you or this was your first Olympics is that right uh, apart from yes. these adversities and these tragedies how was it how was the rest of it for you how how did it feel yeah. was it everything you expected
2: Yes yes and no so i grew up uh, watching the olympics i was i think my first memory of being totally inspired with every piece of my body was watching the 1996 olympics when carrie strug the american gymnast did a vault on a broken ankle and landed it and the crowd went wild and they won gold and it was just like witnessing superheroes Mm -hmm. you know and and i was just and i wanted to be a gymnast after that and i'm six two so i knew pretty quickly or at least the instructors and the, the gymnastics instructors knew pretty quickly that that wasn't in my future um and and then in the winter games i was always in awe of the of the ice skaters so i've always had an itch to to be at that level to compete at that level um you know it took me a while to really commit to do it to fulfilling the process because i grew up and i i had a fear of failure ultimately you know it was a and it was something i had to kind of figure out and confront on my own because i was never fully committed because i was always like well if it doesn't work out i want it to know that maybe it was some other reason you know um but i had to really fully commit i would say kind of late maybe like 2014 15 where i was like i'm going to do this no matter what whether i make the final roster or not i have to commit and um and so i mean having been there I, it was incredible it was surreal definitely you know not as over the top as maybe as as maybe i expected because we had been to a lot of tournaments the pan american games is set up really similarly with a village I've been to a World University Games, which has also a very similar feel with a village and an opening and closing ceremony. So that was helpful because I, you know, wasn't a deer in the headlights. But knowing that someone said of this thing when we're out there that they're like, isn't it crazy to think that where we are right now is just the fittest place in the world, like the most fit place in the world. And you kind of sit on that and think about it and you're like, wow, you know, all the best athletes in the world are here in this moment. And that was pretty kind of crazy to think about.
3: Mm. were there any athletes or stars that you you saw who, who were excited to see at all
2: yeah um my grandfather was a really big tennis fan so we sat behind Serena Williams on the bus to the opening ceremony and and you're in that moment and you're kind of have that internal battle like am I a fan or am I a peer am I a fan or am I a peer like I don't you know I'm not sure like do I talk to her do I ask for autographs like I don't know um, and ultimately I decided, I was like, no, I'm up here. So I wasn't going to kind of fangirl out. I was just like, Hey, yeah, we're both here. We're both Aww. athletes, like Olympic athletes. This is cool. Um, and then cause all of the, the U S team is in one building and there's only two or three elevators. So you end up seeing a lot of the athletes in the elevators and you see Michael Phelps going to his race or coming home from a race and it's kind of, you're in an elevator. You're like, Hey, good swim tonight. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, obviously the most decorated Olympian. Um, but again, it's it's really cool because you, you walk around and everyone's there for the same reason. And, you know, seeing and there were some athletes who chose not to come for, you know, whatever reason, whether it was the headlines or, you know, their own schedules or whatever. And so to see athletes of that caliber, you know, people who don't necessarily, maybe the Olympics is not the pinnacle of their sport, come and represent their country. You know, I really had a lot of respect for, for those athletes. So.
3: Yeah, it's, it's funny coming from the side as as a sports journalist, I always had that kind of distance whenever I interviewed someone I really admired or something like that is, is that fine line of, I'm a professional, I shouldn't get a photo with them, but I really want a photo with them. And <laughs> yeah, as, as totally. I have got older and interviewed more people, I uh, i i look back and think oh i wish i'd got a photo with this person i wish i'd kind of remembered this moment and i think now i right. try to do it but i make sure it's in the right situation you know when right where and when's not and I, i'm i'm sure after all of your success and everything like that serena williams now wishes she had a photo with you
2: so. <laughs> well, <laughs> next thank time you. yeah <laughs> I know, I know. We've been trying to get more people, um, you know, we've been trying to grow the sport of water polo. It's not necessarily the biggest sport. A lot of people honestly don't know about it. Um, And we did have, I think, Cam Newton, the uh, quarterback um, for the North Carolina Panthers, I think it is. Um, He was doing a Nickelodeon show, and this young girl wanted to be a water polo player for a day. So he came by practice with her, and that was kind of a cool thing for us to have, you know, someone from such a mainstream sport here in America come and try water polo. And there was this viral photo that came out of him coming out of the water and like shooting a water polo ball. And, you know, I think sports center got on and all these people were tweeting it and, the funny thing is, they're like, oh, he can't, you know, he's good at everything, water polo too. But the joke on our team was that when our captain was underwater, like totally lifting him up, <laughs> <he>
1: had,
2: <laughs> it's so difficult to get up and do the eggbeater if you don't know how. And she was just like in cahoots about it afterward, because she was like, if only they knew, you know. um But that was great for us, just overall having someone like that um come to a practice and see what it's about, see what water polo is about, because it is it's a tough tough sport and i don't think a lot of people understand exactly you know what's going on so so yeah i mean obviously what we did at the olympics um put us a little bit on of a stage too just being able to represent and and execute our our goals and dreams and yeah just getting the sport out there
0: hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter
2: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
0: The best in the world podcast with Richard Parr.
3: More from KK Clark in just a moment. Just a quick reminder that today's show is brought to you by Audible. To download their service for free for a 30 day trial, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash best. That's audibletrial.com forward slash best to get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial. We all love the word free, and guess what? We all love to get smarter, and we can do that with Audible with their 180,000 titles to choose from. Lots of sports books there. I listen to all different types of audiobooks in the gym, on the bus, on the train, in the car, going for a walk. It's a great place to get smarter every single day. Check it out, audibletrial.com forward slash best for best in the world because that's what this show is we speak to olympic champions world champions world record holders and world number ones and let's return to my conversation with the olympic water polo champion kk clark
0: the best in the world podcast with richard parr Of
3: course, there's some kids who don't know about water polo unless they watch it at the Olympics, but unlike you, you have a whole family background with former Olympians in water polo. What was that like growing up with all of that around and did it add any pressure?
2: Yeah. I mean, for me, it did not add pressure for, if anything, it was the kind of the spark plug, the initial thing that was, Oh, like I have this in my blood, like I'm kind of meant to do this. And it was kind of the, the first maybe confidence builder first spark, like I said, because I would go to my cousin's house and, you know, they have, you know, the metals on hung along the wall and, you know, we just, we saw those and we were like, you're like Olympian. But first I don't think I put two and two together. Um, but then, you know, once I got old enough to be such a fan of the Olympics and realized that my uncle had, had been there and my aunt and him had qualified in 1980, um, was a really exciting thing. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't always a water polo tracked mind. I was a big equestrian when I was younger. I had that horse phase that I never actually grew out of, um, until maybe high school Um, and you know, it took me a a while to come around to the sport because it is, because it can be so challenging. But my uncle Chris was, um, one of my first coaches and, um, my cousins and my sisters all played it. And if you look at our team, the Olympic team, a lot of us have siblings that also play or played. Mm. And I think it is one of those sports that you kind of, you get into it because you know, someone who's in it. Um, but being able to kind of come full circle with my immediate family having to go to the Olympics again, got to go home, bring the medal back, show it to my aunt and uncle, um, was a really, really cool thing for me to do because, you know, I consider my aunt Mary Beth an Olympian. Um, she was just a total cool swimmer. Whenever we go to world championships, I always like find the, the, the swimming coaches and I'm like, Oh, do you know Mary Beth Lindsmeyer? That's my aunt. And they say the, you know, they are like, she was such a stud, you know? And unfortunately she made that eighty team but we didn't go. We boycotted that year and then eighty four uh, yeah. she just missed it barely. And it was really kind of a a bitter a bittersweet thing for me because I know she doesn't always consider herself an Olympian because she didn't go to the games, you know, but to me she's one of my ultimate heroes because I mean, having I can't imagine training your whole life for something and then ultimately, you know, a month out of the Olympics being it you know, kinda of taken away is is a really hard thing for me to think about and you know she's definitely one of one of my heroes in in that in that regard
3: Mm. and you had a similar situation yourself didn't you about a year ago when you missed out on being in part of the world championships with the u.s team how did that feel when all of that happened
2: yeah you know that was a bit different because i think hers was a little more out of her control um Mm. what she went through but for me yes, it's out of my control and that the coach is choosing the roster, but I hadn't been playing at a level that I needed to play um, in order to make this roster. And, and looking back, you know, our coach, he, he really tests a lot of people in different ways. You know, he would test us in practice, challenge us these ways, and then challenge us, you know, by doing, and he had to see what the chemistry of the team would be like with different people on it. Um, You're kind of constantly playing around with that, but it wasn't really, really tough for me at that point. I'd always been a bubble player. I was always a role player on this team and overjoyed to do the job, right? I mean, anyway, on this team I was willing to do, um, but up until last summer, 2015, I had been on the rosters. So I had kind of barely kind of made the roster, made the roster, made the roster, <clears throat> and then the biggest fear kind of being not being on the roster. And then we get to, so we had a long, long summer. I was in Canada for Pan-American games where I didn't really play very well. Um, And then we had 14 girls with us. He flew, we always had 14 girls at a big tournament um, training up until those, the games started because our coach was always, always um, inviting us to be really competitive. And, you know, nobody felt like their spots were safe. We had Olympic gold medalists from 2012 you know not knowing they were on the team until he named the team in late June so it was always a really intense environment and we go to Spain for a few days for a training thing and you know I played okay not not great and then we get to Russia and we're having breakfast and he puts his hand on my shoulder he's like hey can you um come to my room um after breakfast and I knew immediately what it was about and I was just like trying (laughs) trying not to start crying like I was just like you know, my biggest fear had ultimately happened. And um it was just an awful, awful, awful feeling. Um, knowing half of it was knowing as an athlete that I couldn't get out of the slump, that I wasn't helping myself. And then just knowing that I wasn't going to be able to compete with the team at world champs. And I went up to his room and we talked and, you know, he kind of explained himself a little bit. And he said, you have the choice. You can go home or you can stay in Russia. It's totally up to you. And I definitely had a pity party for a good 24 hours. Like I was just so sorry for myself. And it was, you know, so hard. What was me. Uh, and then ultimately, kind of asked myself the question, how one, how do you want to remember this process at the end of the day? And two, how do you want your teammates to remember you? And I kind of just had to make that choice there and was I ultimately decided to stay. I was going to stay in Russia. There was no way I was leaving. Um, and I was going to be, I was going to try to just blow people out of the water with, with my, you know, with how I respond, like just enthusiastic and cheering on everyone. just going to, I was going to try to be the best teammate I could be. Um, and I ended up going on, um, these runs with the coaching staff cause they do obviously the girls who are competing, um, you're resting and getting bust between practices and the hotel and everything. And, obviously I wasn't competing. So I was like, well, I guess I should work out. <laughs> <laughs> and I end up going on this five mile run, a daily five mile run with the coaching staff and these shoes that we got in Canada that were paper thin Nikes, like not meant to be running shoes. <laughs> and I am not a runner either. It was kind of like a, was going self punishment thing, I think. And I get back to the hotel after the first day and I was limping on both legs. I had an ice pack on both calves. It was so mortifying and my teammates are just laughing at me. I ended up, you know, it was, it ended up being a really funny memory that we all kind of look back on. And, and ultimately, you know, I had, I totally changed my mindset. It was, I had so much fun being in the stands cheering everyone on while it was really painful that I couldn't be, you know, in the team meetings. I realized I just wanted to be a part of it. So I made that decision that it, it's not about making the final roster. I'm just going to, obviously there's <laughs> it's nowhere worse than here. So there's only, you know, I have nothing to lose at this point. I'm going to change these things about me. And I'm going to work every single day to get myself back in the mix, um, change a few things outside of the pool. And what, what were that these kind things,
3: of, KK? What were these things yeah. that you changed?
2: So they were really small things, to be honest. Um, I talked to my sports psychologist because I'm really open, open to that stuff. And his big thing was, what, are, what is your plan? And how are you going to follow, follow through with that plan? And I thought about, you know, I went to a... I thought about in high school how I had a syllabus and how I would just follow that syllabus and it was just a helpful guide. So I made a syllabus for myself and I had four categories. And the first one was watching and I was going to watch a sports related inspiring movie once a week. It was all kind of nice. like cultural stuff for my brain, you know, like something that inspired me. Um, so I did that. I would watch a 30 for 30 one week, you know, those ESPN documentaries. And then yeah. I watched Rudy for the first time. I had never seen Rudy. Like what a great movie. Um, uh, I watched the Rocky movies. I'd never you seen those, beat, you know, the things Rocky that I, <laughs> right. Things that I had never watched growing up. Like, you know, it was really fun for me. I kind of felt like a kid too. Um, it was really liberating in a way. So that was one of the, the first categories and that was always fun to get home from practice, you know, so tired put out a movie dinner. It was just so fun for me. Um, one of the other things I did was, um, journal. So I got a journal and I wrote an intention every single morning. I, when I got to practice, I wrote down my intention for practice that day, whether it was just a skill based thing or just noticing where my mind was. Uh, I was just paying a lot more attention to where my mind was kind of got into the meditation thing. Um, which is just helpful you know you can catch yourself if you're going in a negative direction and try to kind of reroute yourself um what else? i say so it was reading oh and reading um it was watching reading writing and meditating those were the four categories so reading i started reading before bed i'm always on my phone so i was really trying to get off my phone before bed so i could sleep well um so I started reading sports books. I read the Andre Agassi autobiography. Um I read a book about golf and somehow you know drew things from each of these stories and and um <clears throat> people's lives that I could somehow tap into or relate to or just distract myself even cuz you know we had so much of water polo day in and day out that it was just a really refreshing thing and like I said I'm I'm a huge sports fan so It was honestly just kind of good brain food for me to to watch these movies, read these books, and then reflect in the journal daily. I wrote down positives and negatives from practice every day um, and then meditated. And that was a little bit less consistent than the others because it's hard for me to just lay out a mat and do it um, with everything going on. But uh, I think just trying to, to build those habits and follow through with them just gave me the peace of mind that I was doing something extra, that I was doing something for me and putting myself in a little bit better of a situation mentally um, to kind of attack the, the challenge that faced me being kind of being the best teammate, getting back in this sort of mix and ultimately realizing what I could control and what I couldn't. It's kind of like if I did all this stuff and still didn't make the team, you know, at least, you know, at least I was doing something about it. And I wasn't just kind of crossing my fingers and really hoping and wishing that, something would change his mind, you know? Um, so yeah, it was, it was a stressful time, but that's those sorts of things kind of made it fun for me and made the process a little bit more refreshing week to week.
3: That's really interesting. There's a lot of things I'm interested in there, uh, especially the movies. You can't beat a Rocky movie. In fact, there was a a (laughs)
2: really—they're
3: so good. There was a really cheesy movie series we did in England called Goal, which is kind of the soccer equivalent of say a Rocky movie. And I remember watching it about five years ago, and and I thought, if I was a teenager, I'd absolutely love this movie because it's so inspiring. Uh, so yeah. you should check that one out um I, okay. I, w- I wanted to talk a bit more about um the journal oh i've got a book recommendation for you as well if you're into Ooh, all of those okay. books um uh. the, the art of learning by josh whiteskin he was a uh he was a chess champion and then used the skills of chess to become uh, i think he was like a, a thai uh, competitive tai chi world champion there's like a uh, a more wow. than an artistic version and, and it's all about the skills he was able to transfer from one to the other so that's that's a really really good book i'd really recommend that but what, yeah
2: what, i'm definitely checking that out
3: yeah what what i'd re- what i'd uh wanted to know is uh when it came to the journaling and you were writing every day would you go back and and reread what you'd written or was it just the the process of writing it made you think about that day and you were just able to focus more on what you needed to achieve
2: um so for me i think just the process of writing was really helpful um i usually didn't go back um however there were moments i think just having the it written down to go back and look at was really helpful because if we were at a really big tournament or if maybe one week was really not going so well. I would look back and see if I was like, was I making the same mistakes? Did I not really like process something that he was saying to me? <clears throat> was I was I taking the writing seriously? Is what I was writing down like actual, legitimate, um, specific things, or was I just kind of like venting or spewing? I don't know. Um, I I and then we journaled I think the big thing also was journaling at At the Olympics, it was a little bit different. Um, I kind of just wrote down what I did that day. It wasn't kind of an evaluation thing. So I haven't looked back at that yet. I have, I mean, I have the journal in front of me. It's a big, giant book. I'm kind of, and then after we won, I didn't, I haven't touched my journal. So I'm kind of Mm -hmm. probably going to regret, you know, not writing down the after effects and everything that happened. Um, But, you know, the last thing I wrote, I think, was, let me see. I'm opening it right now. I think, what was it? It was the day of the gold medal game and I wrote, get it done. Fricking get it done. That's all I wrote. <laughs> it was just like in big capital letters, you know, just kind of, you know what you know, like it's not like anything's going to change it now. Just do whatever it takes, you know? And um, I think it's going to be cool in, you know, months or years to come to be able to look back on those, but it's so fresh right now that I haven't, I haven't quite, Opened the book up yet?
3: Mm, so. yeah. some something to cherish, I'm sure. Um, and the meditation. Now, ha, ha, did you teach that yourself? Was it something that the team were all taught? And and how much time would you spend when you'd actually do it?
2: Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> the when I was in high school, one of the classes that I took was a prayer and meditation class, and it was you know, one of those classes that maybe some kids signed up for because, you know, it looked fun or just different. But I remember just it making such an imprint on me. And the crazy thing I just thought of the other day was that we did a meditation that was, where are you going to be in 10 years? And in high school, I was 16. And I, I meditated that I would be living alone next to the beach and like, all this stuff. And I like, I'm 26 now 10 years later, and I'm in a studio in Hermosa beach next to the beach. And I just kind of laughed at that. Cause I was like, is that, you know, is it something in my brain? Like totally, um, just a subconscious thing that I got here or, you know, I don't know. So it kind of, it makes you think about it a little bit, but what, mm. um, so I was introduced to uh, meditation and mindfulness in high school. And then our sports psychologist, um, we did a, a lot of different things with him, but one of the things we did do was, was meditating, but mindfulness and what we would do is just for five, ten, twenty minutes you sit with your thoughts and you just kind of try to catch your thoughts and bring it back to the present moment it's just kind of all about being aware uh, with the present moment because in a game and it was all kind of related to sports and in a game in big moments where's your mind you know are you thinking about the mistake you just made or are you in the present moment because when athletes talk about being in the zone um, a lot of that is kind of like you're just in the present moment and you're lost in it. So it wasn't trying to make it the present moment all the time because you can't do that. But it was just trying to catch yourself if, you know, you were being distracted, or if your mind was in a different place. So one of my friends sent me a book um, just called Mindfulness, an eight-week plan for finding peace in a frantic world. And I just started reading that and it had its own little meditations in it. Um, some audio stuff that I would just, I would put my yoga mat out in my apartment, put on one of the tracks and do the meditation. So it just kind of, and they were all just kind of bringing you back to the present moment, focusing on a couple different things. And, um, that's kind of just what I did. And I did it, it the book, you're supposed to do it twice a day, but with my schedule, that was pretty difficult. So I ended up just doing, you know, once a day, um, And then trying, you know, I haven't, I never actually completed the book. (laughs) Um, But I think just, like I said, getting those habits and doing what I could when I could um, was ultimately helpful for me. Um, But mindfulness is a practice. It's something that you have to continue doing. Um, And that's kind of the, the next challenge for me, I think. And whatever I do next, continuing to incorporate all these things, you know, that really helped me with this process with this journey into what, you know, whatever's next, because I think it's all translatable. Um, But again, it's a practice and it's tough to do, you know, the discipline that it takes to do twice a day. Um It's funny, probably coming from me, who's, I mean, discipline, I was getting up at 530 every morning, getting home at six and, you know, doing all these things. But um I think it's, it's kind of my next challenge to being able to Um, spend so much time you know with with my mind and trying to continue to improve it as I move on you know with whatever the next journey is for me
3: Mm. I want to talk about what's next in in just a moment and uh, I've already written down the name of of that book uh, mindfulness and I'll be checking out myself because If you can become an Olympic champion with the help of that, I can certainly improve as a person. So I'll take a a look at that. So you said you had that moment when you knew that they were going to cut you from the team for the world championships. Now, when it came to the moment where they were selecting the final team for those Olympic Games, how confident were you at that moment that you had made the right changes, that your place was going to be there? Or were you uncertain at the time?
2: Yeah. So obviously there was, you know, a whole year almost, um, in between those two moments. And I came back from the August of 2015, we had kind of a, a a few weeks off and I came back, you know, on fire. I was, we had this camp in Colorado Springs that was honestly a really kind of relaxed, wasn't laid back. We were still, you know, training really hard, but kind of easing into things again, because we knew the year prior to the Olympics was going to be intense. And for me, I think all my teammates were kind of, you know, with the mindset, like we're easing into it. This is fun. And for me, I was like, so zoned in, like, I'm going to beat this person at this skill, like just a little bit too much, I think. Um, and so I just came back in the fall and I was on fire and it was just so intense, so focused. Um, and maybe in a way it was really, I mean, I, maybe I stood out to the coaches. I don't know. Um, but when we started making, you know, having trips and teams, we, went to rio in november for a test tournament and i was on that trip so i made the team or that team in november and then i think we had a tournament at home that again there's kind of big numbers he's feeling people out and then we had a couple more trips and then we went to the olympic qualifier in Hauda, the netherlands in march and you know making that team was going to be a big step in making the final roster. But again, you know, I was at this point, I learned my lesson by making one team. It doesn't mean anything about the next team. And ultimately I was on the roster that went to the qualifier and we were able to qualify for the Olympics in March. Um, And then we had kind of that two or three month period where we were training again. And we had a world league super final, kind of the last tournament before the Olympics. And he brings 14 girls and you know, me and one girl are taking turns playing in the games and, you know, it's a total flashback. I'm like, Oh, what are you, you know, how are you going to respond? What are you going to do? What if he doesn't pick you, you know, like just, (laughs) there were definitely moments where there's a little bit of a freak out. And then I was able, you know, with the skills I think I developed, I was able to kind of catch myself and, you know, focus on the moment and what I, you know, what I needed to do. And I, with the opportunities I did have at that tournament, I really felt like I played well Um, I played the best I could play and I played in the final game of that tournament and the buzzer went off. And I remember thinking as I was swimming out was you did everything you could. Genuinely. You hear people ask, you hear athletes say things like that. Like you want to know you did everything you could. And I was always someone like, how do you know, how do you know, (laughs) you know, Um, how do you really, really know? And I had that kind of peaceful moment. And so I was kind of at peace with it and ready to kind of know what, be okay with whatever was going to happen. Um, but there were definitely, you know, storms in my head days leading up to the the day that he was going to ultimately name the team. Um, you know, family was always like, how are you doing? You know, friends were like, you find out today, you know, and being able to just kind of try to, again, you know, the skills staying in the moment, um, kind of helped with, with that anxiety as well
3: and then you became an olympic gold medalist absolutely amazing (laughs) so KK, we've nearly run out of time um just two more quick questions one is have you thought about what is next obviously you're 26 there's the 2020 tokyo games do you still have further aspirations with water polo or are you going to do something different
2: yeah good question i think for me, I mean, I was able to, to win a national championship in college, and i in 2009, I remember my mom being there, and she, she leaned over the, the railing, and she goes, you did it, you know, you achieved your ultimate dream, your goal, what's next? And I look up at her, and I was like, I don't know, get married? Like, I really never thought the Olympics was going to be in my path, you know, that was never the, the dream, the goal um obviously it became that and being able to do it with the, my teammates and everyone involved all the coaches um has been such a fulfilling thing in my life um for me I think having the gold like I, I kind of want to just leave it you know I don't want to taint this experience I just want to you know let it be what it was and um kind of move on I mean that's kind of been the dream it's a bit harder to move on than I thought it would be a we were at um one of the sports games and my coach, I could hear him talking about, you know, the future team, the rosters, like all these young girls that are going to get invited. And I was like, Hey, am I on that list? And he's like, no, I thought you were done. And I was like getting all the competitive juices flowing. And I was like, I'm not done. I'm, you know, I could play. And, you know, ultimately I'm still evaluating. Um, But I would love to kind of, you know, I learned from my aunt and uncle there's life after sport and there's amazing things to still be done. So I think I am ready for that next chapter. Um, I don't know if it's going to take maybe one more year. I, I, I cannot call myself a world champion, a world champion as my teammates can. So that might be kind of the last thing poking me um, to kind of bring that full circle. Um, but, but ultimately still undecided. Um, but yeah, kind of, you know, I'm nothing specific. If I do move on, you know, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm not going to, you know, I didn't, I wasn't able to do all these things. I don't have um, the, the goal, you know, map out what's next, just kind of getting to sort of, you know, be a non-athlete and seeing what that's about.
3: (laughs) Well, I'm sure whatever you do next, you'll be as successful as you've been in water polo. KK, it's been so great to talk to you on today's best in the world. How can we continue to follow your amazing journey on social media, please?
2: Yeah. I mean, so I have an Instagram. I think it's, KK dot Clark um, and then my Twitter is KK Clark USA um, but I'm definitely more of an Instagram user um, I just love sharing images and stories and and all of that so that's where you can find me thank you so much for having me um, on Richard parrs best in the world it's been it's been such a journey um, and again just Such a joy to talk to you. So thank you.
3: Oh, the pleasure's been all ours and all mine. Thank you so much, KK Clark, for being the best in the world.
2: (laughs) Thank you.
0: The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr.
3: Thanks again to KK for appearing on this week's Best in the World with Richard Parr. If you enjoyed that chat, we've also had one of KK's teammates on the show before. Kaylee Gilchrist has been on the podcast. Go back and listen to that episode. It's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. It's on richardparr.net. And there's lots of other athletes we've spoken to on the podcast. Maybe you want to listen back to last week's episode with Veronica Campbell-Brown. Maybe you want to listen to the Olympic sailing champion, now CrossFit competitor, Anna Tunnicliffe, maybe you want to hear from rugby champions such as David Campese and Chester Williams. There is so much great content on The Best in the World with Richard Parr and I love to share it with you every single Wednesday on iTunes and Stitcher. If you've got any questions for me, get in contact at Richard underscore Parr on Twitter or on our Facebook page, Best in the World. I would love to hear from you and you can also send us a message at Richard Parr. Net. If you like the show, do me a favour, please go to iTunes, give us a rating and review. It's very, very simple and it really, really helps our show. Well, it's been great to talk to you. It's been great to listen to KK Clark, one of the most positive athletes we've had on The Best in the World. I've been Richard Parr and I'll be back with you next week for another Best in the World.
0: The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr.